You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. It's November 14th, 1973, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. Princess Anne once said, As a young princess, I was a huge disappointment to everyone concerned. It's impractical to go around in life dressed in a long white dress and a crown. But she had no choice today in history when she became the first of the Queen's children to get married to army officer and fellow equestrian enthusiast Mark Phillips. And as Vogue magazine put it at the time, uh, she arrived at Westminster Abbey in the glass state coach with her father, Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. And she was wearing a Tudor style gown with a high neckline and statement sleeves, as well as Queen Mary's fringe tiara glittering with 47 shards of diamond. And then she only bloody went and married a commoner. I mean, (laughs) this is the funny thing about it, that it's got this sort of air of absolute royal authority, but it's undercut by the fact that, at least for people who care about this sort of thing, It was a really very unusual wedding because she was marrying this particular guy. And that ball of contradictions that I think you've put your finger on is baked into almost every part of this huge wedding. Mm. You know, you've got this contradiction between the Windsor family royal wedding, the regalia, the pomp, the scale, and at the same time, Princess Anne herself, only 23 at the time, being the normal one. Prince Philip's favourite, the horsey one, the one who doesn't like fuss, the one who's not very showbiz. So you've got this huge grand scale and at the same time someone's sort of broadcasting to the world (laughs) whilst they're at the middle of it. They don't really want to be there, um, but they're there because of duty and that's very Princess Anne as well, isn't it? So just to exemplify that in a fact, this was only the 10th royal wedding in Westminster Abbey since 1100. So it was, on, it was on a grander scale than most royal weddings. Mm. But at the same time, the person at the centre of it all clearly had no desire to really be on camera at all. In fact, they were filmed from behind <laughs> with only about 60 people who were in the Abbey able to even see them get married front on. But it was precisely this attitude you know, and visible distaste for the limelight that had made her quite unpopular. And I think... She is now considered one of the more popular royals. I think as she has got older, maybe that standoffish attitude has come to be seen as, you know, a no-nonsense, sensible woman. But at the Mm. time, she was seen as being a bit spiky and unlikable. Princess Sourpuss, the tabloids called her at one point. Well, I mean, I think the the Chicago (laughs) Tribune, and this is in 1989, spoiler alert, they do end up separating. And then in an article about the separation, they just went right in on her. They said, they just said... Anne, once an arrogant and unpleasant teenager whose poutiness made her the most unpopular member of the royal family, now is one of the most popular. I mean, what an aside. What a sweeping aside. Someone for being an unpleasant teenager. I mean, who hasn't been? (laughs) Well, it's easy to like someone after every single other member of your family has disgraced themselves (laughs) as efficiently as the rest of her siblings have. But, you know, I, I think that the wedding itself and the fact that it was as big as it was 
it sort of speaks to the thirst of people wanting something like this to happen. You know, this was the first of uh, the Queen's four children to marry. And so that probably in itself explains why 500 million people watched the wedding worldwide. But also I think maybe there is a bit of a fascination, an ongoing fascination with the idea of the fairy tale story of someone in that particular royal family because it is kind of the world's royal family now and someone marrying so very much from the outside of it you know it's why I think people are so interested in both Kate and Meghan as these sort of outsiders who have in a way rejuvenated and in a way I don't know undermined the royal family depending on your on your take on it. Yeah, and you mentioned that 500 million figure as well. You should because it is quoted everywhere, but it is an estimate. You know, we're mm. working on 1973 TV ratings and it is the figure that was quoted before the wedding took place on the basis that in America, this wedding, extraordinarily, considering it isn't their royal family, was carried live for hours on NBC, CBS and ABC via satellite. Yeah. So, of course, theoretically, the potential audience from the whole of the USA watching the wedding was massive. But who the <laughs> hell got up at five in the morning to watch the, the British royal wedding of... <laughs> I mean, you could say minor royal. She was, I think, fourth or fifth in line to the throne at this point. She, she had at one point been second in line to the throne hadn't she but somewhat ridiculously due to the system we had then of prioritizing male heirs she was after prince andrew who was 13 and prince edward who was nine at this point so it's of no constitutional importance is what i'm saying it's only for royal watchers and yet you know the estimate was always based on everyone in the whole world being interested in this in the uk you definitely couldn't avoid it it was wall-to-wall eight-hour coverage on the bbc two more hours than was given to winston churchill's funeral I mean, as you mentioned, Arian, technically Mark Phillips was a commoner, but not, you know, he very, he wasn't the palace chimney sweep by any means. He came from a well-born family, although not an aristocratic one. He was the son of a high-ranking military officer who went on to be a director of walls, walls who make the frozen sausages. <laughs> although he wasn't quite as high-ranking an officer as they styled him, because he was Captain Mark Phillips for the day, but he was actually a lieutenant who was acting captain and they were just like we gotta dress this up a little bit (laughs) make him sound a little bit more regal well i think captain sounds that much more dashing doesn't it you you know it's it's, the higher up you go the better until you get to like brigadier and sausage magnate really (laughs) yeah i mean the sausage thing it's funny because the only place i saw anyone referencing the fact that his father was a director at Walls was in the American press. It was almost like the British press had taken a a vow of silence and they weren't going to bring up something as (laughs) vulgar as, um, you know, a a middle manager. Well, that's (laughs) it. And I I think the freedom of the Americans to say what they really thought in a kind of gossipy way that's become the lingua franca of all coverage of royal events apart from the BBC is evident at the time. You know, obviously in Britain, people were still being very respectful of princess anne's choice of husband but barbara walters for example in her coverage said quote mark is handsome hardly an intellectual but he does know how to sit on a horse <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, he probably sums it up broadly accurate but I, I mean, need. reflective of anne too in a lot of ways yes. and i kept thinking when i was reading about this romance between them that it's very much like the kind of thing that the queen might have had were yes. she not the queen mm. you know he was well born not a member of the aristocracy but certainly you know not not someone from some random inner city slum someone who shared her all-consuming passion for horses which is how they met can i do the prince philip quote at this point please if it doesn't fart or eat hay she isn't interested <laughs> 
It's interesting, though, that even at the official photo call in May of 1973, where they were showing off their rings and doing the usual business, he was asked whether the marriage could withstand the pressure of public duty. And Anne famously butted in, saying, can, it's got to, hasn't it? Which on the one hand, like, they, at the time, everyone sort of laughed it off as a quip. But I thought that's... That, that's the pressure that royal <laughs> weddings faced at that moment. It was expected that you weren't going to divorce. Now it's pretty much part of the course that you're going to have yes. several okay. <laughs> princesses or princes. Did you watch the full interview that they did for their engagement? I mean, I know there's no such thing as a comfortable, laid-back royal engagement interview. It is <laughs> the, by far, the most awkward genre of TV interview. Anne is smiling, but the smile is very stiff. Mm. And then... Mark Phillips is just stammering and giggling the whole way through. I think what's happened is she only agreed to do one press pool interview. So there's just this one man. And he's talking to her, literally in the voice of someone from the 1950s, even though it's the 70s. He asks her, do you think you'll make a good housewife? And she sort of, you know, gives some bland answer. But then he won't stop. He's not reading the body language at all. And he goes... Mm, for instance, would you like to cook Captain Phillips' breakfast before he goes to work? And then she says, she sort of jokes again. She says, you know, if he doesn't mind coffee. And then they both stammer and giggle nervously. And then <laughs> finally he asks her if she could sew on a button. And she says, I'm not totally useless. I was quite well educated. <laughs> <laughs> she must have... She must have been clenched, really, the whole time. The whole thing must have been so awkward for her. I know she likes the horses. There were horses there mm. uh, on the day of the wedding. But, you know, just the fact that her every exchange is being documented. Here's a quote. Here's a, gl a glittering quote from the day. As she walked to the aisle, the princess was heard to say, Oh, what a lot of people. <laughs> when her father asked, Are you ready? She replied, Yes. I mean, that then gets reported all around the world. Front page news. There were some other hilarious details from the day that um, presumably those BBC anchors had to trot out as they were trying desperately to fill hour four and a half. But um, Princess Anne's wedding ring was made of gold mined in Wales, which is extra precious because there isn't much gold in Wales. Soldiers apparently had to stand six paces apart at the wedding as opposed to four paces apart at Princess Margaret's wedding. Did you see the details about what the wedding breakfast consisted of. No, please It was tell very me. exciting. They were, the guests were feasting. There were, well, some <laughs> of the guests, the most beloved guests, were next door feeding on straw yes. and hay. Um, but the human guests were being fed lobster, partridge and peppermint ice cream. There was also, slightly more appetisingly, a large, very 1970s, you know, it looks like it's covered in white plaster, wedding cake mm. that was made to be the exact height of the bride, five foot and six inches. He'd With a chocolate beehive? It, well, it weighed 145 pounds, but I'm assuming it wasn't based on her exact weight as well. <laughs> Tomorrow. They just kept showing men shaving their faces in the mirror while the narration kept saying real man over and over again. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.